Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. My name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 333. That was terrible. 333 of the No Encore Music Podcast. It'll be better than that though, I'm sure. Craig Fitzpatrick is about to get on a plane. Not right now. Uh, the very Pat Kenny of me there as well. Get on a plane. Uh, you're going to Scotland. You're going to go see the Strokes. What's happening? Yeah, it's um, it's going to be my first ever trip to Scotland. The lovely Glasgow. Glasgow Green. Also on the bill... Um, the snuts, I want to say. Uh, I'll actually call it up and just see because it's. Let's just say I'm just going for the strokes. I believe the this is the transmit are, festival. What yeah, day are you going again? Like what day of the weekend? It's the Saturday. Okay. Um, so let's have a look at the lineup. And yeah, I'm missing Paolo Matini. I think he's the Friday. Okay. On the Saturday we have. Uh, let's go from top to bottom. Pip Blom. We know Pip Blom. No, no idea. Kenny Hoopla? Nope. <laughs> is this a real... Yeah, it is. Oh, wet leg! Another chance. Oh, to- <laughs> you should go just for uh, for podcast content. If I get there on time. Um, self-esteem? She's good. Griff? I've heard of, but not too familiar. Um, the lads from Maximo Park still doing it. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, hold on. This is actually going to be a good one. Jimmy Eat World! Oh man, I'm, I'm please go! My playlist that you I made, made you. I made Craig yeah, a playlist Craig about a year World. ago. Yeah, Craig Eat World. Uh, there's good stuff on it. So actually, yeah, I, will, on there. I will check them out. My They're boy, really my boy, example. Maybe this isn't so bad. Um, <laughs> I don't know actually if he's any decent tunes. Fontaine's DC <laughs> yeah, again for show content. I think you have to go. Dublin Zone. Um, then the Snuts, who are like one of those incredibly, I think, big bands in the UK, right? But just haven't made a splash anywhere else. I think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, Someone falls, can tell us. The Strokes. Ugh. 
Yeah, man, it's... um. <laughs> you sound upset about this. This sounds like a fun Saturday. Well, we're going to talk in the news about some stuff that's been going on with the Strokes. So yeah, it's kind of, it still feels very much up in the air. After the cancellation um, in Primavera, which kind of uh, listeners will know from previous episodes, derailed me slightly on my Barcelona trip for an afternoon at least before we got on with the show and had a great time. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, well, I should say not cancelled, but very much otherwise engaged this week. Sonic Architect Adam is not here, I believe. Oh, he's he not cancelled. Oh, okay, <laughs> he's not cancelled. Not, not that I know. Information. Okay. Um, yeah, like he's he, he he's not he's abandoned us for the week, Craig. But we'll have him back soon. Um, yeah, so he he isn't here. So we're going to be like putting the audio together in real time. But what you're listening to, listener, will be recorded, recorded, edited by Adam, and yeah. a damn fine job he'll do as well, I am sure. But on this episode, uh, top five. Science fiction songs. That's our top five. Sure is. I've hit the stage now, as I'm sure you have as well, where I'm just convinced that we've done everything already. So every time we do a top five, I panic halfway through the week and I'm like, surely we've done this top five before? And I go back and I check and it turns out we haven't, but we've probably done some kind of variation on it. Um, do you have that kind of anxiety I do setting weeks, in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Both that and songs being picked before. Um, mm-hmm. We've had some crossover, and that's obviously less less important. But sci-fi, I thought we're into kind of new strange waters, Dave. This is a bit bit different from I think. I can't really think of much overlap. Haven't gone through the songs, and um, we're doing it, of course, because it's the, the summer of Blade Runner. So, what it's the 40th <laughs> anniversary, hot Blade Runner summer. Yeah, yeah, hot, yeah. You so uh, wonderfully christened it. As we were chatting, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting list because I don't really know where it's going to go. It's cross genre, you know. So we'll have fun with it. We'll have fun with it on the silly movies as well, though. Uh, rest in peace, James uh, Can, who uh, passed away moments before the show went on air today. Like, like always, you know. Yeah. Like what is the curse of the show? Jimmy Can, hell of an actor. Um, possible oh. mafia connection. <laughs> oh really? I don't know this. No, no, I don't know much about his personal life. I knew he was a bit of a hard man in the best possible yeah, sense. Yeah, definitely of just a macho guy. Great on Twitter. Great on Twitter. Really good screen presence. Obviously, uh, The Godfather. If you've never seen Michael Mann's Thief, everyone go and watch Thief. It's a great film. He's well, fantastic listen, in it. Yeah, you know, I just recently um, acquired Score it. Score by Tangerine Dream, I should say. Sorry, on the music front, pick one. I'd never, I've never seen it before. I still haven't seen it. But I like acquired it to watch it. And I remember telling you excitedly, I'm going to watch it this weekend. Haven't got around to it. And now this has happened, so... Yeah, this is the time to do it. Yeah. He's really, really good in it. Uh, th- it's a film so good that James Belushi is good in it, you know? That's how good it is. So <laughs> It looks... Um, I saw a few, um, like, fan-made trailers and stuff on YouTube, and I was like, oh, this is, like, proto-drive. This is right up my street. Very much so, yeah. Um, um, again, with a hell, hell of a musical score. Dave, yeah, but the whole... Did you see on. me embarrass myself on Twitter earlier? No. You usually do, whenever I embarrass myself on Twitter. I had a very busy day today, because all the fucking news shit that was going on, Boris yeah, well, this, Leo that. How I learned about um, where Jimmy Khan writes, so a um, friend of mine, for, former colleague Peter McGann, uh, tweeted out, just as I was on the train, um, coming to this very recording, thief this weekend, so... And I kind of, I obviously hadn't seen any news and I was like, oh, that, I'm not sure that means the film Thief. Maybe there's something else in the kind of cultural lexicon that that's referring to. Maybe he's planning some kind of burglary situation. Yeah. yeah. And I got excited because I, like, I was thinking, I'm going to watch that film soon. So is he talking about Thief? Is it like, have I hit the zeitgeist? So I just um, subtweeted, man? Question mark. <laughs> and then he responded with, can. 
And I thought, <laughs> oh, we're doing like a kind of quirky, like back and forth of just being like, like a nod thing of like, yeah, good stuff. And obviously he thought I meant, is Michael Mann dead? Mm-hmm. Thank- thankfully he hasn't passed away. Um, and he was responding with the death of Jimmy Khan, not to laugh about it. And <laughs> no, I no, respond- laughing at the situation. I responded with another play on a surname from someone involved in the film. Well, well, weld. With an emoji oh, that is that side-eyes flirty thing. What are you, you doing, <laughs> Oh, my God. It's still up. If people want to seek it out, I should delete it. And then I responded, I all caps, hold on, wait, he's dead. Excellent. Oh, yeah, that was me. That was my Twitter activity this week, I believe. You should <laughs> know as well that Craig's yeah. Twitter activity extends to him still uh, misusing the phrase subtweet. Uh, oh, yeah. Craig, Craig uses subtweet as I replied to somebody. <laughs> what, what does it mean? <laughs> to sub- subtweet would be like if I went on Twitter right now and I said, <laughs> certain good looking oh, suit wearing podcast yeah, hosts yeah, really yeah, get yeah, on my yeah. fucking nerves, don't Without. they? And they'd be like, is that a subtweet about Craig? Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's it's making a um, you know, an allusion to someone else for the purposes of people to steamroll in and be like, that's clearly about that person. So, yeah, uh, rest in peace, James Can. I don't know if he had mafia connections, but it was definitely the rumor. There was no, maybe apocryphal thing. Can't I think it's credit to other actors as well, where it was like, yeah, he can't sue us now. Um, he can't do a lot now, sadly. But basically, it was like, uh, apparently, he was shooting a scene and something, and he told the director to, you know, don't go there because that's where actual mobsters bury their oh, victims. Well. I should know. That'd be chilling type to. thing. But um, he's really good in a film called The Way of the Gun as well, which I is made by Christopher McQuarrie. I'm not going to lie, um, my big reference point is probably outside of the the Godfather's. Um, Misery, which is just tremendous. Phenomenal in that yeah, as well. You need to rewatch yeah, that. Right. And uh, uh, Mickey you, Blue Eyes, which is <laughs> yeah, not you good. Mickey Blue Eyes. I did earlier on. Um, anyway, look, that's not what we're here to talk about for the rest of the show. But like I say, do watch Thief. It's a very good movie with very good music. Well, we're going to talk about lots of music on this show. And if you like what we do when we talk about music, tell a friend about the show, please. That would be good. We always like to spread the word or for you to do so, if you don't mind. And if you really want to go the extra mile... Patreon.com slash noencore is where you can do that. There's bonus episodes. We were supposed to record a no encore at the weekend, and I feel like I'm a bit of a broken record now, but unfortunately, uh, it just didn't come to pass. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we'll it's just been... Yeah, there's just been a lot going on uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> my mental problems. So just being honest with you, not having a great time at the moment and I just couldn't do it. So I'm sorry. I will do it soon. But if you love the show, patreon.com slash noencore. If you like the show, tell a friend, all that kind of jazz. Uh, in the meantime, let's kick into the news section. Adam it. will press a button for us later on. I heard about the good news. So um, about a week ago, we recorded the show a day early, actually. Mm. And in doing so, of course, we missed a fucking classic thing. So just real quick, because it is old news now. Uh, The Eagles played a show in London's Hyde Park two weekends ago now. And a fucking brawl broke out. (laughs) Did you see this? Yeah, I've seen the footage. I was expecting a bit more drama. Maybe it's just the way it was shot, but um A guy was choking another man during Take It Easy in the Diamond VIP section, Craig. <laughs> was the choking captured because it just looked like maybe I only saw the kind of security pulling the dude away footage and I think a lady being hauled off later on escorted out. I didn't see the chokehold. So that sounds exciting. Um doesn't seem like anyone was majorly harmed, but yeah, I guess the big takeaway is that Couple of takeaways. The fact that Take It Easy is being played is dreadful. 
<laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. The end of the footage, I saw some dude, I'm not sure if it was the guy um, filming it, but just goes, you've got to take it easy at the very end. And I'm like, ah, easy one, but it still kind of got a chuckle. Um, yeah. yeah, and the fact it was the what, diamond VIP section. 400 British pounds, 400 of your British pounds to um, uh, stand in that section. Yeah, uh, basically it just meant you were closer to the stage not it's even hugely close. And yeah, you, you had access to a private bar, which probably didn't help in this scenario. <laughs> and it's kind of fitting with the Eagles, though, isn't it? Just like extremely privileged people squabbling. This is just standard Eagles. I'd love to know what it was about. Also, Tom Cruise was there. I wonder, did he you manage think to... he would have got involved and sorted out. Get out unscuffled. Uh, he turned 60 recently, Tom Cruise. Happy yeah. birthday to him. Yeah, Craig. Still haven't seen it. Have you gone? No, you haven't, have you? Top of Maverick. This Friday evening, it's going to be my pre-Glasgow little treat to myself. I think I'm going to go alone. Everyone's seen it. (laughs) (laughs) I could be, uh, like, I could have my arm twisted to see it a third time. Okay, maybe we need to sort that out. Because Mick Mick Pope of the Galaxy fame asked me during the week, he's like, would you go again? And I'm like, maybe. And I put up a Twitter poll. And I put up the options where I, I think I said, should I go see Top Gun Maverick for a third time per the urging of a friend? And my options were danger zone, baby. And no, this is obsessive. And in the end, 87% said danger zone, baby. Of course so, they did. I'm su- surprised it was that low, to be honest. I can't believe anybody voted against it. Yeah. Like, why would you vote against it? This is uh, upsetting. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Dave, how do uh, you, you feel about the Eagles? Just to... We don't really I'd talk never about got the it. Eagles that much, yeah. I, I never got it. Um, I've never gotten it either. I just, maybe it's not their fault, but I feel like pop culture told me one day, this is dad rock. This is the definition of just like watching paint dry in yeah. audio it's prob- form. Probably the big Lebowski had a lot to do with it, right? It's just like enshrined idea. I do find that funny though. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, I think that is very good use of them in a, in a pop culture parlance, but... I don't know. Maybe like there's some killer eagle stuff. I'm sure I there is. Think, uh, I think I've, 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 because you know I'm probably more liable to be like this band seems like they're kind of bland and sucks. I'm going to dive in and see if there's any gems. I remember I think trying that with a few Eagles records and just being like, there's nothing here. It's all so safe. Do you know what I mean? It's it's technically really well executed, but it's just like I don't know. I know people would probably say the same thing about Steely Dan, who are their arch um, enemies. But are they actually just, enemies? Yeah, I think they had. Well, they had a bit of a. It might have been in good fun, but they were definitely bickering back in the like seventies. I don't know what the story is now, but um, yeah, it's just they. They seem like they would have been one of those bands that was ripe for like a critical reappraisal at some point in the last ten years. You know that moment of just like actually the Eagles are brilliant, and have you checked out that <laughs> album? And it just hasn't happened. I think the moment's passed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because people have tried, and they're just not good. Do we think that Don Henley's The Boys of Summer is better than anything the Eagles ever put their name to? 100%. That is a tremendous, tremendous song. I love it. Do yes. we think that the Atari cover <laughs> of Don Henley's Boys Summer is better than anything the Eagles put their name to? You, you know I don't, David. <laughs> you, well, I think you it is. Ever do. It is great oh, cover, absolutely. but absolutely. I, I just love the um the kind of airy um synths on the original. It adds to the sense of longing, I find. Okay. Um have you been longing to watch Stranger Things season four? Um no. 
I feel like I will watch it, but it's just the length. I don't have that much time to devote to this 80 thing. 80 minutes yeah. on average per episode. Yeah, and the look. finale, which is now out, is two and a half hours long. Um, I have started watching it. I'm two episodes down. It is completely just fine so mm. far in that it usually kind of goes at that speed. Um, I will say, like, you know, once those opening credits start up, though, I am still a bit kind of like, yeah, man, that's good stuff. But it's fine. It's It's no better than fine. However, we have talked for weeks on end, and we will continue to, I suppose, about how Kate Bush has uh, had her career reignited to the tune of millions of dollars and lots of, you know, streaming and a new generation of people, blah, 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 blah. But she's not the only one, Craig. That's right. My boys, Metallica, are now, in fact, getting the Stranger Things treatment because in the season finale and in the story that I put into the uh, thing, I very cleverly and uh, sensibly took out some spoilers for the episode because I happen to know about some character fates, which I won't get into for people who haven't watched yet. But I do know that in this episode, a character, I guess, plays uh, Master of Puppets by Metallica and during some kind of big epic battle. And wouldn't you know it, Craig? Wouldn't you know it? People are like, who? Who is this Metallica that you speak of? What? What? What, what master of what now? And streams have gone wild. Metallica themselves have released a hilariously corporate statement, being like, "We are beyond psyched to be involved. It's an incredible honor." The Duffer Brothers really know their stuff. Uh, it's great stuff all around, and uh, yet another feather in the cap of Metallica. Of course, earlier this year, someone gave birth during one of their gigs. They really are, in fact, the <laughs> metal band that pop culture guess desperately wants right now. I kind of, I'm, a part of me is quite excited for any teenagers maybe discovering Metallica because I do remember that kind of moment in my teen years and it was Master of Puppets. It's still my favourite record of theirs. Actually, do you know what? the best one. Yeah, I think I heard S&M before I heard Master of Puppets. Um, I don't know how the hell did that happen, but I did... And then going back to Master of Puppets and the difference in James Hetfield's voice, like from from the years between, and it just being a much more heavy metal voice in the original and being like, oh shit, this is the, this I'm like, you know, mainlining the good stuff right now. It was very exciting. Ah, oh, the fucking acoustic guitar opening a battery. It's ah, I need to go back to that record. Thanks, Stranger mm. Things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the acoustic guitar wonder of Orion. That's an amazing album oh, all over. Yeah, uh, easily their best one. But the one thing we could say, as we always say on the show, is their most recent album is very good. Hardwired to Self Destruct has some absolute bangers. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh God, what's the one that you love? Halo on Fire is my favorite. Halo on Fire because the way it shifts and when that riff comes in, and you're just like, this could be a Tin Lizzy like classic. That riff. What's your go to? Moth into Flame from that record. I fucking love how relentless it is. And of course, I ironically, question mark, do enjoy St. Anger. (laughs) So That's true. You've got the vinyl. The thing about Metallica, which I have it on vinyl. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm committed. The um, thing about Metallica, though, yes, I will recommend the documentary Some Kind of Monster yet again. Please go watch it. Double bill bill that with Thief for a weird Saturday (laughs) night. But the thing is, right, here's where I stand on them. I think that the world is better off with the minute, right? Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, they haven't really done much wrong, have they? There's been a few comical <laughs> moments. There was the whole Napster thing. But I think, in yeah. hindsight, they had maybe a point. <laughs> I think James Hetfield has some weird ties to Russia, and he definitely enjoys killing oh, bears and stuff. But, what? like, you know, he, oh, he does hunting and, and that kind of thing, doesn't he? I didn't know about the Russian ties. I think he's got some weird Russian tie. I don't know what it is. I could be wrong. Maybe he just mentions him in some kind of monster that he goes to Russia and drinks vodka. I don't know. Maybe there's more to it, but like troubled man for sure. Um, Lars Ulrich, very annoying, but you know, 
Rob Trujillo seems nice. Yeah, as does he does. Kirk Hammett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kirk Hammett seems really nice. Um, so uh, next week on the show, Craig will of course report back from the Transmit Festival, and of course we're all dying to know what you will think of the Strokes after all this big saga. But you don't know what you're going to get, do you? Because what's going on with the Strokes right now, Craig? I'm still not even convinced there's going to be a show. Like I'm still really. I don't, it feels like a cursed thing. It's just after waiting so many years and like it just feels I, I, there's kind of a cloud over them at the moment. I don't really know. Can I sorry? Yeah. Can I do a classic Dave Hannity like interrupts thing and annoys people and derails the show thing here? When was the last time that you saw them live? How many times have you seen them live? I've only I think ever seen them. No, sorry, I've seen them three times live. But two of those times were 2004 and 2006. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, I saw them at Oxygen twice. Um, and the last time I saw them was BBK, which actually isn't that long ago. That's probably 2018, summer 2018. And it was brilliant. They were really on form. Um, it, yeah, it was a tremendous gig. They were very much into it, which is kind of like always hit and miss with the strokes these days, it seems. And we'll get into that now. But I think it, a lot of that had to do with the fact that laid-back festival, it was in Bilbao, and it seemed like from the kind of social media activity around the band, like Julian had arrived like a week early and was like spotted around the town, like smiling and hanging out and having a holiday in like fucking really goofy t-shirts with like musical staff notes and stuff on them. Um, So he seemed like, oh yeah, this is, I want to be here. Um, But they're currently on a festival run where it seems like they, well, him in particular wants to be anywhere but on stage. It's just like never a nice feeling when you're going to a show and you're like, oh, do the band even want to be there? Um, They've just played Denmark. Now, they've just played Portugal and I think things went a lot better. But the Roskilde Festival, yeah, there was um, concerns expressed over the weekend about Julian's kind of state. Um, I think it was the Roskilde Festival's 50th anniversary or there was some major kind of moment marked they were the headliners they turned up at least I think half an hour late um, and he was kind of sloppy on stage and there's been questions raised over like where he's at mentally um, I don't know what what do you make of this just from kind of reading news stories and stuff on it I'm always a bit trepidatious, especially yeah, in the social media age, on, when yeah. when you see people kind of run to social media and say this person is clearly having a bad time, which isn't to say, which isn't to deter people from ever doing that. I mean, of course, you know, welfare is hugely important, uh, depending, like, no matter what side of the stage you're on. But, like, I, I've seen stuff before where people are just like, that person was clearly fucking out of it. And then you dig a bit deeper and it's like, no, they were just having a slightly off night. It's not as big of a thing. And it can lead people to worry, essentially. I don't know. I mean, like, Julian Casablanca's thing has always been an arch, aloof thing where he's almost... And, like, we saw him play with The Voids that night in Vicar Street when I interviewed him afterwards. Now, he was fucking very tired i don't know if he was under the influence of anything but to my knowledge he's been clean quote unquote for quite some time he's apparently on record it's not fucking being, business really but like i'm just yeah, curious as to what the current so, well he you know had a well-documented problem i think mainly with just, with just with alcohol um from the time he was a teenager and i think after the first two albums during the kind of recording of first impressions of earth so back in 2005 he got completely sober and um yeah, the company line is that he's been sober and happy ever since. Um, 
which is a huge achievement, however long he was going doing that. Um, and, you know, obviously in the interview, like in the years in between, I've I've seen countless occasions, just like you were kind of referring to there, where you'll see a performance from him where he's like, he seems like an awkward guy in general. He doesn't love necessarily performing. He's not a natural showman. He's got a kind of weird, dark, but kind of quite good sense of humour so he will just say kind of self-deprecating stuff on stage he'll see he'll like he'll stumble over lyrics he'll seem kind of disinterested he'll roll around and people are just like that guy's out of it and it's like no he probably is just deeply uncomfortable and trying to deal with it so I don't know if that is the case here um He's come out on social media as well. There was an Instagram post where he's saying, I'm not tuned into Twitter things enough to know what some confused fans think or pretend they know, but I'm fine. As far as I know, people being asked me weird questions are the dumb side of social media. Yeah, so. He did also say, though, he did also say, like, you know, hey, look, you know, ask if I'm okay, that's fine. But he just disagreed with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like some of the the stuff that was being said about the um, Danish show was... He'd said the line, um, "Oh, we're we're commit we're committing slow um, commercial or career suicide or something like that." Kind of laughing about like the band or something, probably because he didn't think the performance was going well. And then I just saw on Twitter from like a quick search and on Reddit, people just being like, "Is he talking about killing himself?" And then that escalates mm. to this thing of like, like Do "People need to get to him right now." Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah, I think it was, and yeah, he said some other stuff that just seemed like. Yeah, lost in translation. Touch wood is the. Is the I can't best. fully recall what he was saying when I saw them at picnic in 2019. People were getting I, annoyed about about people that. People were getting very annoyed yeah. about him. And I, like I a remember, disrespectful thing. Like you didn't yeah, want to be I there. Can't, I can't yeah. quite remember the full specifics of it because you know I didn't write it down and I was fucking trashed. But like. I loved it, and I was like, he's just being a dick. Like, he's being, like, a New York rock star who's yeah. kind of having a bit of a, like, a, a joke about this. And, yeah, there was a little bit of, you know, like, hey, look, we're bigger than this, whatever. But it's like, yeah, but they are. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's the strokes. Like, I wouldn't, I don't want a stroke show to be polite, you know. Yeah. It's like, but but some people were like, what the fuck? You know, this is outrageous. How dare? And I was like, no, no, like, this is, this is a rock star frontman. And sometimes a pro wrestling heel, uh, you know, attempt to it can be good. Now, to be fair... I don't know. Maybe he's phoning it in. Maybe he is going through a thing. We don't know. And you might not know when you're standing there in uh, beautiful, beautiful Glasgow in a couple of days' time. But you <laughs> will he, let us know next week, If he isn't, like, itching to rock up to a, a lineup that also includes the snuts, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't get you going. Um, Same time, though, if you headline festivals, you should probably, like, you know, bring your A game. But I don't well, know what it's like to be a frontman. They're in a really weird situation, aren't they? Where it's like the last album was obviously, um, it seemed like they wanted to be a band again. I thought it was very strong. Uh, certainly a kind of creative revival in the studio. But they, they, don't, they don't seem to tour under their own banner that much. They seem to just take on these huge festival headliner slots, which they're more than capable of filling still, even though they've probably the commercial side of things hasn't been great for ages. And if they if they don't love touring, doing loads of festivals where there's a lot of disinterested people and it's not your own show probably isn't the way to reignite your passion for it. So I don't know. I don't, they hardly need money. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a strange way for them to kind of go about the live side of things. So maybe they just need a break. I don't know. After my well, show. <laughs> yeah. Eyewitness account coming soon. Touch yeah, wood. Yeah. Um, Poor back. So uh, another artist who I think can be <laughs> arguably misunderstood. Yeah. Um, definitely has gone through their own struggles is Sky Ferreira, who we're a big fan faves. of yeah. on this show. We sure know um, how to pick them. 
we continue to wait for Masochism, the new album that's been coming for a long time. Uh, Sky Ferreira, wonderful, wonderful pop star who has, according to her and continually according to her, has been frozen out of releasing music and has been mistreated by the industry. And I would take her word for it. Yeah. However, she did reveal some information this week that I was very surprised by. Uh, apparently, 10 years ago, she was managed by Elton John. Sorry? <laughs> like, I was shocked by this as well, yeah. So I mean, I don't get it, but yeah, like, what are the details here? So she appeared on the cover of V Magazine back in 2012, um, alongside Charlie XEX and Grimes. Um, There's a lot of very good foresight on their behalf. And they were interviewed by Elton John. And she was kind of talking about that. And she said, yeah, at the time I was working with him, he's managed me. It's being managed by Elton John right before everything is embarrassing. As she said, I'm still shocked by it. Uh... You and us both. It definitely helped to have Elton by my side because everyone in my label was scared of him. Hmm. And and then that's kind of all we get. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, didn't I, push I, I for more. Some, yeah, more digging there. I mean, yeah, that does stack up with, I know actually Elton John has been very, very supportive of younger artists for years and years. And he's also a fiery character that would definitely kind of stand up for you if he was on your team. But then like, how did that relationship dis- dissolve... And I'm just because I, I the minute I saw the story, I, I immediately thought of um, Rufus Wainwright talking about um, how Elton John's been a bit of a mentor figure for him. And years ago, um, when Rufus Wainwright was struggling with um, kind of addiction issues and substance problems and going through his own turmoil, he specifically said Elton John was one of the people that, like, I, I didn't particularly know him hugely well, but he was constantly reaching out to me and um, he was kind of a weird safety net and it just seemed like everything was going to be all right because he was in my corner and I'm just like, kind of like, oh, I don't know, if <laughs> Sky Ferrer's career might be a lot different if that had, that relationship had been maintained. There's just so many questions over this and I just, yeah, I need, hopefully another interviewer picks her up on this I don't know yeah and like they another kind of I'd love to yeah. you're welcome on any time Sky um, but yeah like I didn't know Elton John ever managed an artist at all I didn't know that was his thing I, I just assumed yeah mentor fair enough but like actual managing an act what do you do like he's still playing gigs <laughs> yeah not for too much longer uh, yeah that's a good question actually he must have had his own, like, at least vanity label, right? That he'd kind of, like, be helping with the promotion of artists. Because there has been a lot of names kind of attached to him, but manager-wise, maybe maybe when she says manager, it's just a kind of easy shorthand of being, like, he was trying to help me with the stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I guess, um, well, speaking of newer artists who have made an impact, Craig, in our final news story this week, what is Cardi B up to? Um, she's not happy, Dave. <laughs> she recently she should be happy because she recently polled very very highly on Rolling Stones 200 greatest hip hop albums of all time this list um, by the way which I've yet to even look at I just saw that it, it fucking blew Twitter apart people went mental about it yeah and now the big debate ever since has been like are, were they trolling was there kind of stuff um, placed in certain positions to um, get the conversation going online and yeah, it seems like Cardi B is kind of just like leave me out of it. Invasion of Privacy was ahead of the likes of Illmatic, Straight Outta Compton, Good Kid, Mad City. Um, I'm trying to find the actual number here. I think it was about. I mean, to be fair, I should just like I should just step in for anyone who who is screaming at their phone right now. 
that is a ridiculous thing to do i think and if if you're Place again these there, lists yeah 16 whatever by the way yeah. like, <laughs> i mean what are we what, what are we doing um no respect to cardi b but like i'm sorry no. but no yeah <laughs> like that's not i, I know stereo it splash, wrote an article it's, it's a it's com- just a mediocre like, album i think yeah Stere- yeah it didn't do much for me um stereo did an article coming out of this being like it is impossible to define the greatest hip hop albums of all time, and that seems to be the kind of prevailing. However, I wasn't aware of any backlash that she was directly receiving. So, what's what's she been saying about it? Yeah, she was on some podcast, um, and she was saying that they were dragging her. Like, how dare you put Cardi before Nas? I was like, oh my goodness, I just woke up and I'm getting my ass dragged. I didn't even she ask She didn't write this. the fucking list. I know, yeah, which is totally fair. I'm just like, this must happen all the time when these lists come out. I understand that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what that's in relationships, but out, uh, in relationships, but out of context there. But it's like, bitch, I ain't motherfucking asking for it. You know, I understand that people feel a certain type of way, but don't try to disrespect me or my work or my album because... Your mother was listening to my shit. Your bitch was driving, listening to fucking be careful. All y'all, I'm really regretting reading out this word for it. All y'all <laughs> bitches, all y'all hoes. So it's like, don't even try it. And Adam, don't even try to isolate that clip. Yeah, um, we're, not post- we're not posting this on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, no encore show, by the way, if you want to follow Very us over there. nice. Yeah, she called out Rolling Stone specifically, though, said they were trying to set her up. I'm sure they weren't specifically trying to set her up. Um, she also said that outlets would do certain stuff to make it go viral. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I do love that line from her. You got my ass dragged on a fucking Tuesday for no reason. <laughs> Which is hilarious. <laughs> Replay to her but What do you think? I mean, we've been in situations before where lists have been compiled on this show and I guess just kind of spitballing in like editorials and um, I've never really been in a scenario where I've been involved with, like, let's just move stuff around. I guess you hope that there'll be at least a narrative or something that will stand out, but I can't... Do you reckon Rolling Stone were just like, let's notch this up? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, Rolling Stone like. still carries so much weight. It's still a huge thing in the world. Even, like, the Irish Times list, we, we talked about a couple of their lists, which have been very, very questionable in recent times. Yeah. Um, I, the bigger the, the platform, the more chance you have to actually rattle these cages if that is what you're looking to do. And I don't know what it would have been like in the Rolling Stone office or the Slack channel or the WhatsApp group or whatever way that they spoke to each other about it. But I'm sure there was some degree of self-awareness where it's like, yo, if we put Cardi B's album at number 16 and these Titans are down here, that will obviously cause a lot of whatever. I mean, like, is that the reason it was done? I don't know. We can't know that. I, I, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility of somebody, you know, putting it up there as like, well, this will get people talking. But to be fair, I, I, in my opinion, that happens continually. Uh, you mentioned self-esteem earlier. I said she's good. She is. I'd say she's great live. I was disappointed by that album. And I believe, if I have this correctly, I think The Guardian last year gave her album of the year and song of the year. And that to me just felt like the thing I always bang on about, which I know is annoying, but like, you're voting the person, not the art. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that you don't like the art. I'm not saying that you don't like the album, that you don't like the song. You clearly, clearly do. But I think you're putting Rebecca Lucy Taylor as your number one and not the fucking record. Because the record to me is like, and in fairness, again, minority, because the amount of star ratings that thing got was insane. But like, this is the era. This is the way it is now. And obviously, you know, again, we're all in the fucking horrible race to the bottom digital economy where we got to create things that get hits and get views and get numbers and get people talking. Is this the way to do it? Possibly. You wouldn't necessarily look at Rolling Stone as like uh, that kind of 
outlet i do think that they take their things like overly seriously because obviously there was the recent we're doing the 500 greatest albums of all time thing again but yeah i mean like it encourages debate which is a good thing but at the same time it's not fun for a cardi b to be like whoa hang on and also as well i mean like she can't even celebrate the fact that it's being lauded because of this methodology and all the comparisons and, you know, whatever. Although yeah. I should say she has new, a new song out. And in the first line, she mentions Superfly Jimmy Snuka because she's actually a huge, huge wrestling fan. And she put up a tweet about it this week. I think someone like was like, yo, Cardi B out here doing this. And she was like, yeah, I love wrestling. I think it's amazing. And she was like, I actually was worried that the younger generation wouldn't know who I was referring to. And it's a shame, actually, um, that she chose Superfly Jimmy Snuka, not because of the generational gap, but because uh, he is an accused murderer. Oh, whoa, I didn't see it going there. One of the <laughs> problematic fucking figures in a problematic industry. Anyway. He's a murderer. Well, accused murderer. Uh, oh, yeah. a, Sorry, yeah, I put the wrong answer. Accused murderer? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> alleged murderer. Um, yeah. Look it up, guys. It's not nice. Uh, have you got the top 10 of this? Yeah, this I list? do. Just so people don't have to look it up, because I was, just as we're talking there, I was like very aware that we're just tr- probably driving people to search for it themselves. Um, yeah, let's go from 10 Craig to turning 1. turning into hashtag saved you a click man over here, but one. <laughs> The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill. I think that's a, yeah, definitely. Like, I'd, I'd probably have that in my top ten. Oh, okay, I'm going to reserve the commentary till we get to the end. Number nine, <laughs> Tribe Called Quest's The Low End Theory. Number eight, Wu-Tang Clan's Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Number seven, Missy Elliott, Missy So Addictive. Number six, oh, only Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Distant Fantasy. Number five, Kendrick Lamar. At Man Kenny to pimp a butterfly. Um, number four then is Public Enemies takes a nations and millions to hold us back. Number three, Jay Z, the Blueprint. Ooh. Number two, Outcast, Stankonia. <laughs> and number one, Notorious B.I.G. Ready to Die. Which, yeah, like, I mean, Ready to Die is probably one that a lot of people won't argue with. What do you make of the list, Dave? Top ten um, voice. <clears throat> It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they're all they're all great albums. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is I, maybe hip hop is like maybe the, rac- the reactions this has been because hip hop is just so revered in so many corners from so many angles that to boil it down to even a top two hundred is very is automatically contentious. I mean, like maybe it's not like I'm not, I'm not saying pop music is more frivolous, but like you know, I'm sure pop has its arch defenders, but hip hop, I don't know. There's just like. <sighs> I, I feel like, like like even with the Kendrick Lamar thing that we did recently the review, like I feel underqualified to pick a top ten best mm-hmm. hip hop albums. I just don't think I have the education. I really, really don't. I like what I like. I love what I love. Um it's not even Kanye's best album. <clears throat> but nonetheless <laughs> That's the one you pick. Sure, yeah. Go on. Keep prodding. <laughs> I'll need to think it over, but uh, I mean you gotta have Illumatic in your top ten. You know? Yeah, you gotta you have definitely do. Straight like- out of Compton near the top ten, I don't know. Uh, the Blueprint is an all-time classic, but surely it's a reasonable doubt as well, right? In terms of a Jay-Z shout. I mean, out, like I'm going to do the very try-hard thing of being like, I think, Outcast's earlier stuff than Stagonia, <laughs> which is great. It probably should be there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The Wu-Tang Clan shout's great. Tribe Called Quest's great. It's not no, bad. Um, but yeah, sorry, go on. No Limp Bizkit, no Hollywood Undead, no? <laughs> <laughs> Where are these guys? <laughs> the world's still not ready for that stuff. They'll catch up in a few decades. But to your point of just being like how important hip hop is now, 
and speaking about Rolling Stone still having some cachet, I was kind of surprised at like the splash this made because you look at Rolling Stone's like albums of the year, it's become a running joke of like they'll just give it to a Springsteen or a U2 or a Heritage Act and they've kind of been out of touch for a long time. And I did see the conversation around this being like a lot of hip-hop kind of podcasters, writers, um, hip-hop outlets, radio stations, Hot 97 and stuff like that, but just being like discussing this, like, how are they getting this so wrong? Like, this is a big deal, like Rolling Stone. And they were kind of lauding Rolling Stone still. And my thinking was just like, You've, you're way past this. And to your point, Dave, just like us not feeling qualified to put like a list like that together. All of these people were qualified to do their own list and do their own list. Rolling Stone aren't really qualified either with the Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm sure they've got, you know, me- members of staff that would be, but... Yeah, don't seek approval from Rolling Stone. That's my little bit of life advice for this episode. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess hip-hop, if you're, you know, like, some, somewhere like Pigeons and Planes, probably a better place to go, or, sure. like, fucking, yeah. you know, Complex, or various others. Anyway, from one contentious list to another, uh, we will move to our list of the top five best sci-fi songs, science fiction songs. We're going best and best. Uh, I've got five, he's got five, I don't know what he's got. He doesn't know what I got. Uh, how did you find putting this together? Um, I found it good. There was a lot of different ways to go. I was also like, I was very aware of when I was kind of giving you the um, little rundown of what was involved um, mm-hmm. thematically. Because I didn't actually specify when we were talking about it, but I was like, I, I kind of focused more on the lyric driven narrative stuff as opposed to... Um, Maybe songs that you would know from soundtracking sci-fi stuff or just that had ties to it. They were open, you know, too. But I, I kind of went into the narrative thing. And yeah, I was just looking for my little rundown I gave you there, um, which was, could include everything from tracks taking place in space or featuring alien life forms to songs with futuristic settings, advanced technology, time travel, or dealing with other such weird and wonderful topics. So having said that then, I was just like... I realised so many of my songs, as a little spoiler, were like very alien heavy, I will say. So I was like, oh, need to seek out some time traveling ones, need to mix it up with some other topics. So that was a concern for me. But there was a lot of possibilities and a lot of kind of mood shifts, I would say. How did you find it? Um, I found myself rejecting some stuff that was not quite substantial enough in terms of the brief. Because, for example, right... Um, Lupe Fiasco has an amazing song called Jump, um, which is just this wild song about like a weird set of circumstances happening to him. And it ends with him being abducted by aliens for like a verse and then comes back to Earth. But it's just it's at the very end and it doesn't quite it's not a song about it. I don't think it's a sci fi song, although a sci fi thing happens in it. But I really wanted to crowbar that in because it's a great song, a lot of fun. But I was like, no, no, actually, no, I think I have something that will actually go here instead, uh, which is. I felt the same about like yeah. stuff like Ash's Girl from Mars. Girl from Mars, just, that yeah. was also on my shortlist. And I was like, yeah, it's again, it's just too frivolous. Um, she could be I wanted from to go with anywhere, yeah. I wanted to go with Supermassive Black Hole by Muse, but I'm oh. like, outside of, but outside of the song title, it's not in the lyrics, really. You know, it's not really and it's, a sci-fi. It's, more, it's probably more science than science fiction, right? It's <laughs> oh, <laughs> I guess so. And and the reason I wanted to throw it in, because I was like, let's give Muse a, let's give them a fair shake for once. It's a fun song. And it kind of marks that turn of when they started to become a bad band. But 
Yeah, and they obviously, of course, have lots more in that vein, but I was that was the one I was drawn to. I didn't pick Bowie. I would have picked Life oh, on yeah, Mars. I, I ruled I, out Bowie instantly same, it was because, just, yeah, got to become a... He's been here too often. And surely, them, yeah. have you picked Life on Mars before? Surely you have. I don't believe I've picked Life on Mars. I've picked pretty much everything else, though. Ashes okay. to Ashes. I think Space Oddity's been in there somewhere at some point. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I would have picked Life on Mars because it's fucking amazing. There's stuff like that where I was just like either a bit too kind of on the nose or a bit, you know, or, or, or I've got a song it. over here that yeah. does the same thing or it didn't quite fit the brief beyond a surface level, whatever. But, you know, I think the ones I've gone with make sense in a certain way, but I'd like you to go first, though. And do you have intro music, possibly? Do, do I see that? Oh, yeah. Let's get in the mood with something that's like, it's kind of the granddaddy of a lot of this kind of stuff. And I had a re-listen lately, and it's it's very enjoyable in a kind of cheesy way. Much like this show. Here we go. synth flutes at the end Dave Butterworldly it's uh, the War of the Worlds Jeff Wayne's um, rock, sci-fi rock opera I guess and uh, yeah people should check it out I guess I don't know um, you fan? <laughs> Uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm not as familiar with it as you are. Uh, nor do I have the same <laughs> amount of grow for Jeff Wayne as you do. Not that I don't have any grow for him, but it's just not really, really my thing. Sorry, I should know as well. Just in the sci-fi theme before we get going, uh, mentioned on the show last week. Mentioned again now. Neither nine uh, rival podcast, but sometimes friend. No, uh, all, always friend. Yeah, <laughs> forever friend. friend. I don't know. Uh, he went to the ABBA show. He went to the ABBA Voyage uh, oh, Avatar what? thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. Uh, he's he's been discussing it all week. So go check that out. But also, I should say as well last week on the show uh remember i said when you pick bc boys you're number one with sabotage i said somewhere uh not a nine is yeah, punching yeah. the air he messaged me on friday morning early and said he quoted that back at me and he was like i was asleep on the plane uh, over to england because he was going to lcd system on the friday and he goes only when that kicked in, I woke up. <laughs> oh, what a wake-up call. I love that. That's brilliant. Um, and then he's like, oh, I, I got to go back and listen to the episode. So, folks, if you want to fall asleep on a plane, No Encore is the podcast for you. But we will bring you back. Um, right, listen, go. Give me your, give me your first right, one here. All right, cool. This will be a good wake-up call for someone. Here we go. Yeah, Black Sabbath. Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Um, with Iron Man. One of two kind of Kanye sampling songs um, I had in the running with King Crimson being the other one, uh, 21st Century Schizoid Man. But yeah, and I had to, had to go with this one. It was used in Hell of a Life brilliantly. But it's a song in its own right, Dave. And what a song. Uh, so it's from 1970s Paranoid. Um which is just a brilliant... I don't know if you're hugely into Sabbath, but they've, like, those first five albums are 
absolutely incredible. Five so albums. On them. Yeah, they had such an incredible run. It's just, it beggars belief. My dad was into them, um, probably unsurprisingly to regular listeners. So I was kind of, I like I heard stuff like Children of the Grave from like the age of about five. Um, but I didn't really <laughs> dig into the back catalogue. But I remember like a couple of years ago sticking on uh, either the first record or Paranoid, um, just kind of lying in bed one Saturday morning, slightly hungover possibly, and just being blown away by how like tight and modern sounding it was. And it didn't really had, have the kind of cheesiness of a lot of other bands around that time. So hugely influential. Iron Man it being a hugely influential song. So it was written by, um, well, the riff was Tony Iommi and the title came from Ozzy hearing the riff the first time and being like, that sounds like a big iron bloke walking about. So the song was initially called Iron Bloke. <laughs> and then Geezer Butler, the bassist who wrote most of the lyrics for their stuff, um, took that and ran with it. And it's got a weird uh, little storyline. So the story goes that this dude is somehow sent to the future, right? And he sees the apocalypse and he's like, oh my God. And he's like, I need to get back and warn people and like save the earth. Um, so he somehow returns. The lyrics are a bit kind of vague. Um, but on his way back, he goes through a magnetic field and he's turned into steel. And because of this, people don't take him seriously when he gets back. And they're just like, they ignore him, they mock him. He's like, no, seriously. And um, he doesn't take this well, Dave. Rather than just like do the decent thing and be like, fall into depression and just go live in a cave or something. He's like, I will have my revenge on these people mocking me. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm like an Iron Man. And he, again, vaguely causes the very apocalypse scene in his vision. Hey, Hey. that's sci-fi, baby. Yeah. Um, I just think that they had a lot of sci-fi stuff and... They're probably primarily known as like a kind of a cult band, like a lot of satanic stuff, which they um, rubbed up against a bit. But yeah, like a band from Birmingham, like Steelworks and stuff and having pretty nasty upbringing, most of them and grim upbringing. They seem to have a real affinity for the bleakness of the future and where technology was bringing us. And they kind of pull it off really, really well. Um did they invent heavy metal, as some people have suggested, or is I that think in they fact... Did. I think they did. Do you did. think they did? Okay, interesting. Yeah, Show me your workings. I think the whole... The, from not just the sound, which has just been... It, it's like the absolute blueprint, but the aesthetic, um, you know, the imagery, the lyrical content. Uh, yeah, and just doing it consistently again for that short burst, like that run. I think they were the ones that everyone looked to. I think there's so much kind of, if you see the kind of way that heavy metal splinters off then in in the 70s, there's so many moments where you go, oh, they're just nicking stuff from Sabbath. And I think the other kind of contenders, like you get like Paul McCartney being like, yeah, then I just wrote Helter Skelter and people told me it was the first ever ever heavy metal song. And you did like, as he does, you know, had a cup of tea, (laughs) invented heavy metal. And I'm like, yeah, kind of is metal. Same with the Kinks, um, you got me. Where it's just like, yeah, but it's just kind of got a bit of heavy guitar. It's not the full metal culture. I think the culture starts with Sabbath. What do you think? I think it's a fair argument, but I must confess, for some reason, despite my you know Kerrang loving days, they just 
were not a blind spot because they were right in front of me, but I just never got around to it. Uh, so I must ask you. Well, yeah. You mentioned five ahead, albums yeah. there. You mentioned five a run of five flawless records, says Craig. If one were to start with Black Sabbath, start to finish, what what is the album to listen to? I think Paranoid's their best. I love Master of Reality as well. Um, oh, I kind of think people should just go on the run. But no, start with Paranoid and... Um, That'll be enough to, I think, sufficiently to get you in. I was going to say, you you recently wrote um, wonderfully about your trip to OzFest where oh, yeah. Ozzy was not there. Maybe no. if you had been there, it would have changed the trajectory of your listening. But uh, yeah, Maybe, yeah. You should check that out, ago. Joe. Um, yeah, I, I did write the article. Yeah, yeah I, I, wrote it, I put it out like a month ago. Um, yeah. 20 years ago, I went to OzFest, uh, the one and only time I came to Ireland in Punchestown, and I loved it. It was fucking awesome. Um, you know, a young buck heading down on the bus with a bunch of metalheads, and I saw all kinds of stuff that day. I saw Slayer and System of a Down and El Nino and Drowning Pool and Lost Prophets. Uh, I also <laughs> saw American Head Charge, who I adore, Mushroom Head, yeah. who I love, Kitty, Otep, Hell is for Heroes. It fucking ruled. I know that Ireland has had this dearth of metal festivals for so long. That's The article kind of touches on that as well. Um, and hopefully that Sunstroke Festival that was announced a couple of years ago gets to come back because yeah. as far as I know, like tickets were selling and people wanted to go. So I, you know, alternate music festival is never going to make as much money as say a Longitude or Electric Picnic. But, you know, there are people who adore this kind of music and aren't getting catered for. So hopefully that can happen in the future in Ireland and indeed across the world. So number, uh, what year was Iron Man released in? Do we know? 1970. 1970. Oh my God. Uh, well for my number five, we're going back to a similar time. So here's my number five. I have talked about this before. I may have used it in a top five. There isn't a popcorn episode about this movie that opens up. And here is my number five. Got caught in a celluloid jam Then at a deadly pace It came from outer space And this is how the message ran So that is science fiction double feature. It is the opening song in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That is uh, the uh, amazing talent of Richard O'Brien there, who wrote all of these songs and would later go on to host the Crystal Maze, of course. But uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, there is no popcorn episode. It is a cult classic. It is one of the cult films and a film that I saw when I was way too fucking young. Already? To, oh my, <laughs> Jesus, I don't know. I must have been like 10, under 10. <laughs> it was just always being played in my gaff um, for some reason. I think my brother was a big fan. Uh, it's an amazing film. You have seen it, I hope. Yeah, I have. I mean, it was probably, it's probably a long time ago now, but I, I think I was slightly older, 14 or 15 maybe, yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, you're in the good catchment area there. Um, so I was terrified, of course, by Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter. Yes. Um, as was I, like, I think, 14, 15. <laughs> the wonderful Tim Curry. Uh, wonderful cast all so around, hell of a movie, based on, of course, a stage musical, uh, The Rocky Horror Show, which became The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, if you've never seen it, it's about a... 
American couple, a young American couple called Brad and Janet, who find themselves taking a wrong turn and ending up with this spooky mansion. Uh, and there's lots of science fiction and horror elements thereof to be waiting for them inside. All these weird, colourful characters that break into song every now and then. And all the songs are amazing. Um, like, every song in that film rules. Uh, you get Meatloaf in there for a cameo. He gets to sing a bit. Yeah. Um, everyone's brilliant. It's the songs are so beautifully penned. And this is like the perfect way to open it because it's like a throwback to, you know, what you're about to watch. Like, you know, science fiction movie, double feature, kind of drive-in stuff and just those kind of, I guess those kind of cheap science fiction films of the day where the budget just wasn't a, a consideration and they're cheesy and they, you know, they've, they, they become cult classics over time. So I just figured like kicking this off because, you know, like when you mentioned science fiction songs, like I, I, I do tend to think visual cinema, maybe yeah, a book before I think music, you know, like, like there is, like, it's not really a genre, but there are so many songs indebted to it or inspired by it. So I wanted to just kind of tie that in together. But yeah, if you've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's a wild experience. It's a hell of a soundtrack. And this is kind of the perfect way to kick it off. And I should say as well, there's a moment at the end when Richard O'Brien kind of like comes back in and does this incredible kind of falsetto vocal thing. And it's very dramatic and it's fucking awesome. So it kind of ties in nicely with this. But this is kind of a nice, soft, false sense of security way to bring you into a great, great movie. What's your number four? But that was, I was just going to say, that was a nice shout. Um, because I did, when I think of sci fi songs, I do instantly go back to that kind of era they're referencing of like 50s, 60s. B movies, uh, yeah. Yeah. And we are like, but I think musically as well, there seemed to be a lot. It was just a fa- maybe it was the space race. It probably was the kind of fascination with um, advanced technology. And we talked about Telstar and the tornadoes recently and stuff. And I was, I was going to say, like, ugh. Has does music kind of often fall out of love with sci-fi? Is it just a tough the kind of genre or theme to tackle? Is there a kind of sense that oh, it's a bit cheesy or it's a bit not emotionally authentic or something? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you have Spaceman by the Killers on your list. It's not on mine, but <laughs> maybe you do. But if you don't, or if you do, I'll just say real quick. I mean, like that's an example of like a modern pop band, pop rock band using a song from an old kind of kitschy era in that way. Yeah. So maybe not enough respect is being paid. What's your number four? Is it Spaceman by the Killers? It's not. It's tonally slightly different. It's not really cheesy at all. But it is beautiful. Here we go. I wish that they swooped down in a country lane Late at night when I'm driving Take me on board their beautiful ship Show me the world as I love to see Radiohead, Subterranean, Homesick, Alien play on Dylan's Homesick Blues, um, which I think Tom York has talked about like back at the time, like some very early uh, Dylan chat group getting very annoyed that he didn't kind of nick the name, um, which, yeah, just proto um, standum and trolling, I suppose. This was one of my early favourite songs from OK Computer, and I feel like it's maybe the one that no one ever talks about. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it tends not to be in people's favourites. I think it totally captures the mood of that record so well and the isolation. And it's totally doing that thing of just like, well, things aren't working out with people. So maybe if a spaceship just rocked up, they might understand. Maybe I'm an alien. And I think that taps into a lot of what sci-fi does really well um 
as we get a bit further into the list, I think I'll talk about how sci-fi is often used to tackle kind of real world issues and how we're grappling with our own humanity and all that kind of stuff. But it does get pegged quite a bit as like a bit of an escape hatch for people. It's like you can kind of migrate to this land of make-believe and that whole, it's very modern culture of... um alien spottings and a fascination with abductions and stuff i'm i've kind of always been fascinated with it just because you? yeah not not in the sense of uh, like is there something to it but first i'm here of it mate <laughs> <laughs> well you, you you're very aware that i would um and you still love your late night conspiracy yeah. radio yeah, yeah if you throw on um yeah the, the tune in app you can get and type in like art bell or coast to coast you can get just constant streams of like old shows from the 90s where they're talking about like the millennium bug and how everything's fucked and you are also on, a huge a huge x-files fan these days so i should have known yeah, from the pandemic. Um, and that touches on that a lot. The unhinged Fox Mulder desperately shouting, where's my sister, people? Um, because she got abducted 20 years previously. Uh, but yeah, I think, I don't know. It's just, it's, the, the fascination for me is the psychological element of like, like what is actually, like do people, people clearly believe they're being abducted. So what's going on there? Is it, a, you know, if you kind of develop this story and get a bit of notoriety from being an abductee, is it something that just kind of makes you stand out as special? Uh, why is it a recent phenomenon? What's going on kind of just on a mass scale? I don't know, but it just seems like something that interested Tom York as well. And there's a kind of a lot of beauty to it. There's a lot of beauty to it. <laughs> I, slipped, I slipped into our boy. <laughs> I think it's hard to say though, Tom, wait, you're wait, one wait. of the Who world's you greatest emotors. Oh, <laughs> Liam Payne. I thought you were Bono for a second there. There's a lot of beauty to it. Oh my God. Yeah, the world is broken, Bono, make it better. Yeah, there's a bit of that. But he, uh, Tom York talked about it being influenced um, by the first ever essay he wrote in school, which was like, pretend you're an alien and you've just landed in Oxford Street and you've never met people before and what would that feel like? And he's like, oh, that always stuck with me. Um, and then he was listening to a lot of um, Bitches Brew, Miles Davis, and there was kind of Afro-futurism in there. Um, the sound Johnny Green one is coming out with as well it just sounds celestial you can sink into this universe and just be yeah just live there for a little bit um, there's there's touches of this kind of stuff on a lot of Radiohead's well I wanted um, to ask yeah. I wanted to ask I mean like is OK Computer a sci-fi record but more to the point can an argument be made is Radiohead a sci-fi band Oh, I think they kind of are. Is when you think of that? You, you mentioned Muse, and I think they're a sci-fi band. And of course, you would have to say, particularly early Muse, their biggest kind of like, well, their their whole foundation is built on Radiohead. Oh, I that think first album, Showbiz, is very Radiohead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK Computer is clearly about the, yeah, how technology is advancing and we're not getting to a good place. It's, you know, dystopian it's kind of the near future, but like with stuff like this on it, yeah, I think you could actually make the case that this is the the 90s War of the Worlds. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's so a good goes, point. I hadn't thought about that, yeah. So it goes Queen, ELO, Radiohead, <laughs> yeah. Muse. Imagine Dragons? Oh, that's interesting. Imagine, we have talked on the show before about Imagine Dragons being a bit of an, a weird pop outlier where, yeah, a lot of their songs aren't about like, they're not straightforward love songs. They're weird, like anthemic, just like powered up i don't know what they're about radioactivity and sci-fi maybe and yeah maybe 
I'm not sure they're about much. I think they just released a double album. Imagine listening to that. But instead, we'll listen to my next pick, which is my number four on this list. And I mean... uh, is this a good song? I don't know. And the lyrics? I love I these kind of intros. That's when yeah. you know it's going to be great. This is one that actually I missed at the time. And I went back and was like, what? So here we go. Here's my number four. So, um, that's Katy Perry. Yeah. (laughs) It's Katy Perry, who, by the way, if I see that fucking Just Eat ad one more time, Mm. man, I'm going to scream. It's everywhere. Um, Katy Perry, the song is E.T., stands for Extraterrestrial. Do you know who does a guest verse on this? And quite a bad one, I should say. Oh, I can't remember. I haven't heard this in a long time. It's fucking Um. Kanye West, Craig. There's a Kanye West. Yes. There is a Kanye West feature on this. I don't remember that. And it's not a good one, and it's vaguely problematic, and it's it's stuff like you know, you know, yeah, I'm a probe you kind of stuff in there, and of course, just, like, just the laziest like. Uh, when was told, this like? Yeah, ten years ago. Ten or years over. ago or so. Yeah, but ten back years when ago. He could actually deliver a verse. I mean, um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Adam decide right now <laughs> if he wants to throw some of Kanye's verse in. Spaceships instead of cars. Cop a Prada space suit about the stars. Get me stupid high, straight about the jaws. Pockets on Shrek, rockets on deck. Tell me what's next, alien sex. I'ma disrobe you, then I'ma probe you. See, I'm abducted you, so I tell you what to do. Maybe he didn't, I don't know. We don't want to go over the 30 second reel too much. Anyway, the point is this, right? Uh, this is a very big anthemic song and it's got lots of pop polish and it's fun and I found myself listening to it quite a lot a few years ago and I don't hate Katy Perry. I don't really like her. This would be in my like maybe two or three songs I think are good. I think Roar is a good song. Um, I think, I don't know, is that it? <laughs> I Kiss the Girls. You big it's not a great song, is it? No, no it's, not, um, it's not at all. No, um, no, 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 not really. I will but, say like, the, but, oh, oh. the melody of this one is kind of interesting. Like there's a mm. lot going, like a... It kind of wrong foots you in a it's good way. Quite I think. epic, you know, yeah, and like it's, it's not, not a million know. miles off M eighty three. Who actually would you believe in this songs about sci fi? M eighty three are not in my list. Uh, uh, I don't know how that happened. I think I just wanted to give them the week off. But listen, um, yeah, I mean, again, it, it's weird because it kind of ties into what you're saying about you know if you are a victim of abduction, is that actually make you a special person? Because like there's some fucked up lines here. This is basically about how Katy Perry wants to fuck an alien. Like like let's just be honest, that's what it's about. Yeah. There, yeah, lyrics. there's the other side of, yeah, like, gee, I was just thinking there of, like, yeah, if people think they're abducted, are they just, is it their brain trying to cover up trauma as well? So there's a whole weird side of it. Is this some kind of post-Avatar thing? Remember when Avatar came out and, like, people went crazy and they, you know, were like, <laughs> I, I'll be depressed forever because I can never live in Pandora. What year did Avatar come out? Was that not, 2009. like... 2009. Oh, was it that? Oh, okay. 2009, I was thinking yeah, it was 2004-ish. Yeah. I don't know the why. The second one's coming, man. 
<laughs> the trailer's out. And then there's out. another one, right? Is that good he to go? He says he's making five of them, although this week he started walking <laughs> that back finally. He said years ago, James Cameron, he said, um, I'm no longer in the movie business, I'm in the Avatar business. And it's been 13 years since that very average film came out. Um, and now there's four more coming. But yeah, Katy Perry, um, surface level pop star, I never fully got it. I don't think she's great. But I think when she gets a good melody going and, you know, you can't, you know, you can't deny that she's a good singer and gives it her all. And this song is very of its time, though. Very early tens. Uh, no one really paying attention to the lyrics. Crap. Stick on rapper feature. Kanye taking a paycheck. Uh, but I don't know. It's you can throw it on and be like, yeah, it's a bit of a bop. But it's if you if you stop as I did this week and re-listen to it on repeat for like five times in a row and kind of take all the disparate parts away, you're like, this is a fucking mess. And again, I just can't get over how it's it's about how she wants to fuck an alien, Craig. I mean, maybe there's hidden depths there. Maybe it's kind of meta and she's... No, it's about Russell Brand, is it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> At the time. What an era. Yeah, okay. Let's change it up. Let's go to a completely different time period altogether. Back to the future. And um, yeah, with this one, this might be one of those times we occasionally have on show, I think, where... People are going to, I'm going to introduce the listener right now to maybe one of their new favourite albums because I love this and uh, it's a bit slept on. Here we go. Futuristic spacecraft, no mistakes, black, it's our music we must take back. That's Deltron 3030, 3030 um, being the song and the group and the album. And it's a sci-fi rap opera album from 2000. Um, the supergroup, supergroup, underground supergroup uh, comprises Del, the funky homo sapien, uh, who's like our kind of imagined hero um, as uh, Deltron Zero in this Producer Dan the Automator, who takes on this character where he's like a traveling cyborg wizard character called the Automator. And DJ Kid Koala as well was on turntables. Um, if it sounds kind of familiar, they worked really heavily with Damon Al- Alburn on the first Gorillaz album, at least around about this time as well. And Damon opens up the album, this record, with a kind of deliciously like listless um, narrative kind of thing where it's like he's not going to try and do a Richard Burton thing. Um, but he has this very dead-eyed speech about like mega corporations sucking the planet dry um, a thousand years from now. And it proceeds to go into this immaculately produced, like where the beats are opulent but kind of decaying and great and there's like little folds you'll, and hooks you'll just get lost in and this narrative that's very well put together like for a, for an like a kind of sci-fi rap opera concept it's just like oh it, this is like this totally doesn't miss a mark whatsoever and the the kind of structure is like it's, it's like serious kind of social commentary but there's a lot of humor in it as well and deltron is doing this thing where he's like like a disillusioned kind of mech soldier, but also he's the world's greatest MC. And the way he's going to save the world is by 
getting involved in rap battles, Dave. But it actually makes sense because the whole thing is like the megacorps are like controlling the information and the linguistics and um, essentially like the algorithm. And he's hacking into it. And it's all about how kind of um, information is being passed. And I think why it works is the songs stand up really well. They're great. There's a lot of individual moments, songs like Madness, that are deeply kind of emotionally affecting. Um, the f- performances are brilliant. But it just, there's a lot of foresight to it. And I think where you look at where we're headed at the moment, um, in terms of AI, like it touches on a lot of stuff. <laughs> Let's say, where are we going, very... Craig? Somewhere good, is it? <laughs> Somewhere Hopeful great. future, yeah. yeah. We're going to a birthday party. <laughs> we're going to a party. It's a birthday party. It's a birthday it's party. Birthday. It's your birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, honey. He loves you very, very, very... What, what are you referring to? Yeah, we've Answer gone all Connor Oberst on you. Yeah, <laughs> wide awake. I'm wide awake. It's morning. Um... Yeah, it's not a great place, but it sounds beautiful, and I just love it. I think it's it was a really interesting era in hip hop as well, where this kind of stuff was coming out. Like Dan the Automator had previously worked um, with Cool Keith, Doctor Octagon, on the um, Doctor Octogynecologist <laughs> record. Oh wow! Yeah, which is really good. Apart from that kind of playful name, <laughs> it's very good. But it's also what very kind of artwork. Sci-fi. Does this have? Dare I ask? Um, I can't remember. I don't think it's too bad. It's it's not bad at all. Um, maybe don't Google it at work, listener. I don't, I can't remember being too bad, but like Riza was doing his Bobby Digital alter ego. Sorry, do you think people listen to this podcast at work? I would bet on it, right? Really? No? I, 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 well, first of all, I can't listen to podcasts at work generally, but like this podcast during work hours, (laughs) I don't know. a lot, actually. Actually, (laughs) now you mention it. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. Just kind of background listening. Um, Maybe it is. Maybe we're just wallpaper for people. Maybe someone plays it on like an office stereo and some kind of insane HR fiasco problem. (laughs) I would be hilarious. Um, Anyway. In in terms of Deltron 3030, check it out. It's an hour long, just wonderful, wonderful record. And they've done a sequel. They did. I think there's a third one in the works as well, but I haven't actually, for shame, I just haven't gone and listened to it. Um, And I must... Because I was just reading some quotes from the guys. Um, they did Red Bull thing recently, but they were talking about the sequel. And Del the Funky Homo Sapien, um, cousin of Ice Cube, by the way. And a bit of a kind of oddball in the best way. A bit of a character. A bit of a character. But it's it this really endearing part where he's just like um, talking about how the sequel took so long. Because he realized that like a lot of, what's the quote here? Yeah, he saw a lot of sci-fi fans getting into it, being the original. So I started thinking, I need to study how to write sci-fi to satisfy these fans. I don't want people th- thinking that it's just like techno babble. And then <laughs> Dan the Automator cuts in with just being like, ah, it's funny, but like not even being science fiction. Uh, I've got like two space albums under my belt. Um, but Dell continues, I was looking at Star Wars. I got every Battlestar Galactica comic from back in the day. Then I went into actual tutorials on sci-fi, how to write sci-fi, sci-fi encyclopedia that got all the terms in different forms, the dystopian future. Once I peeped that, it was easier to write. So he was like, this means a lot to people that are actually in, deeply invested in sci-fi. I'm guessing a sequel must be good, right? Although that doesn't sound like a recipe for great music. So I'll report back after Glasgow. I tell you though, I'm no sci-fi writer, but uh, a recipe for a great sci-fi movie, it's a signal. You just need a signal. Everything's going fine. Then they respond to a signal and then something goes bad. That's it. It works every time. You actually have got it. Yeah. Yeah. Sunshine. Tremendous. You fucking name it. Like uh, Interstellar. Interstellar. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ad Astra, like like it's just it's it's tried and tested. Arrival, just, yeah. Arrival, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, oh, not uh, Arrival. Don't like Amy Adams. Is that a- no, 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 no? I, I adore <laughs> Arrival. It's it's more that Arrival actually like has, in my opinion, actually has a happy ending of sorts. Um, you no can question spoilers it, for you, but, but it definitely does. Yeah. No, I think in it comparison does, yeah. to some of the other ones where they go to certain doom and get killed by monsters and stuff, Arrival is five is fucking five stars. Yeah, and I, love I don't it. love Amy Adams, but I do it's think one, yeah, go she's on. unbelievable. And I do, I, 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 it, it is a crime that she wasn't even nominated for an Oscar, let alone winning the I thing agree. where she should have won it. Insane. Arrival's amazing. Makes me cry. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Go watch Arrival. Um, I should say, when I mentioned bit of a character, uh, we haven't talked about Boris Johnson, uh, and we won't talk about Boris Johnson too much, but the only reason I want to say is because it has a musical tie-in. I did a hilarious thing in The Office today, Craig. I'm sure everyone had a great time with it. We had a speech on in, in, in the thing, and I was playing music on The Office speaker before, and I was the DJ today. And uh, So as soon as Boris Johnson like finished his speech, I played My Hero by Foo Fighters I'm, because I'm very funny. That's, That's why. very good. Uh, I got a laugh. About five people laughed. There you go. You know, like it's um, it's the people that you reach. How many people were in the office, Dave? Uh, about thirty or forty. Was, was um, Mr. Tato there watching no, on his bar? Mr. Tato, address. who who came into the office day like some kind of sci-fi monster himself, with his fizzy cola crisps that I have yet to eat because apparently they're horrendous. I haven't oh. had them. Uh, yeah, Mr. Tato was there. Always fun when he pops up the stairs and freaks people out. But what am I talking about? It's time for my number three. I'm glad that you picked an underground choice for your number three because I've done the same with mine. So here we oh, go. Nice. Dave in selects post-rock song Shocker. That is my number three. The band are called the Ev Patoria Report. Not a great name. Uh, doesn't roll off the tongue. But they're a good band. They're from Switzerland. They're a post-rock band. This song is called Taijin Kaiofusho. So if you nice. want to look this up, it's T-A-I-J-I-N. K-Y-O-F-U-S-H-O. And the reason I picked this is because um, it's a very long song. It's about fucking 12 minutes or something, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, But it contains samples of the final communications between uh, the commander of the space shuttle Columbia and another member of, uh, and like people back home, I believe, uh, before it disintegrated during re-entry in 2003. It was a, a horrible, horrible disaster, but they have like kind of comms and, you know, kind of, it's not, I'm making it maybe sound manipulative and horrible but it's not like it's just kind of Mm. um if anything i found it quite affecting but um yeah so like this is taken from a record uh called golevka g-o-l-e-v-k-a i think it was the first full-length album that the band did and it was named after an asteroid actually uh which was studied in 1991 by a telescope in the ukraine of all places um so it's the whole album's kind of structured around that kind of you know it feels very cosmic it feels very kind of you know to the stars and that kind of music and look we all know i'm I'm mad about this kind of stuff i'm mad about bands like explosions in the sky and this will destroy you and various others but this band the Pretoria report are one that i don't really see mentioned too often and the reason another reason i wanted to pick this was because i remember years ago um 
someone on like, I think it was a football forum that I was reading, just like around the height of, you know, United transfer activity and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> yeah. um, I think it was like the Football 365 forum. But I remember like uh, some guy put up a thing there once and he was like, you know, hey, I do a radio show uh, every Tuesday in my university or something in fucking, I don't know, Bristol or something. And I just tuned in once out of curiosity or maybe he put up a thing and he was like I, i'm doing a post-rock special and i saw like post-rock special and i went in and i think i downloaded it or something and it was two hours and it was full of bands i'd never heard of before and songs i'd never heard of before totally specialist radio that like you know 15 people would listen to yeah i love that kind of stuff and i was one of them like downloading some kind of like media fire you know thing that i don't <laughs> have anymore and i can't remember the name of the guy or anything and you know it would have been on a laptop that i no longer have and stuff and i only remembered a handful of the names that were like that were on it at the time like bands like mono and caspian i think russian circles a few others but this one really stood out and i was just like never before or since have i heard this anywhere seen it anywhere so i want to kind of do that thing of paying it forward and passing this on as i recommend to someone who might be listening to this show um and it just also made me think about how you know isn't that isn't that a wonderful lost art sometimes that like you have to be in a certain place at a certain time and press a certain button or be next to a certain radio. And maybe you could hear something that you'd never heard before and would never hear again. And in that moment, you did find something. And that's the power of, I guess, you know, specialist radio or someone who like is really into a certain genre and passes the thing on. And in its way, Craig, it's a, it goes back to that signal thing I was discussing. No, I'm joking. I'm not going to tie it in that hard to the sci-fi concept. It's kind of working. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I just, um, yeah, like in my quest this week, you know, and doing the research as we always do and going through like a bunch of stuff, you tend to see some songs overlap on different lists. And at one stage I was like, oh, hang on. That song's fucking unreal, and hopefully, if even one person listening to this goes away and listens to Taijin Kaiofusho by the Ev Patoria Report from the album Golekva... <laughs> Go back Sorry. and again. I was going to say that, no. That, like your pronunciation was ve- so good that I, it <laughs> sounded like you'd punched that in in post. Do you know what I mean? Like just the shift in tone. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like it's like that's the one thing about like you know this crazy digital age we're all in, where it's like you know I know we have an Instagram account now, and maybe I, I can put something up on there. It might be easier. So at Noronco Show, I might try and do that over the weekend. But you're still in that weird thing of like you know. I'll spell out the thing and you can pause the show and go back and check it out, you know, Uh, but do check it out because it's fucking awesome. And again, that thing of like real life science fiction, you know, in this case, a tragedy. I think this kind of music lends itself to it. Again, it's a difficult space because you're dealing with like actual human beings and yeah. but, but I guess like you know like it's it's like watching First Man or something or any of those films that we've mentioned where the fascination that you mentioned about you know the idea of finding other worlds going to other places and that kind of stuff and I think it lends itself to this kind of very very strange poetry and this very kind of this very very intense life and death experience and the music itself has to match it and in this case I think it does but again if like me you adore this kind of thing you're into 12 minute long songs that take minutes and minutes and minutes to pay off but when they do, they really, really do. And this is one of them. Cool. I'm going to stick with the vibe of um, that longing <laughs> and that kind of romance. Um, there was a couple of... I'm, I'm still on the, like, please someone abduct me <laughs> trip. <laughs> there was a lot of contenders. I had to go with Radiohead. Katy um, Perry over here. Yeah. So <laughs> she wasn't really a contender. Um, but, you know, it's good that we mix it up. Like Sofian, I, he had to have get the old heave-ho concerning the UFO sighting because it was kind of just musically brilliant, but lyrically slight. Um, and this was both lyrically dense and musically brilliant. And this is the most recent um, and probably my most 
listen to one of, of those contenders. Here we go. Big Thief with UFOF from the album UFOF and it's a testament to this song's strength that the the second F in UFOF stands for friends and (laughs) it still works. They got away with it. Um, This was the first of their two 2019, 2018, 2019 albums Um, and it was kind of like the more, I guess, celestial of the two. Um, The second record was uh, Two Hands was kind of like the, uh, what did they call it? The Earth Twin or something very That's big. That's the one that I preferred. Yeah, yeah. There was um, <laughs> stuff like Nod on that and it was um, a bit Nod heavy. I do love amazing, when they get yeah. heavy. Um, this is the title track. I, I haven't seen a huge amount of people talking about it for some reason. Like even really? around the time there was people. Yeah, I felt like all the oh, reviews come on. weren't You couldn't mentioning walk down it. the hipster street without this throne being really? thrown your way. Like, yeah. Big? This okay, was, well, this then was I'm, when they I'm became, glad. well, in my radar for sure. But like, I know people like friends of the show, Brendan Canty, were all over them before this. Dahi as well, I think, knew of them. But like, yeah, this was the album. This was the moment. I, I can see oh, the, the artwork. album like, for this, sure. This was, but yeah, I just thought this song was so strong. Um, huge echoes of the rip from Portishead for me. Yes, I think it's yes. just the. Um, the kind of arpeggios and the, the way it ascends so brilliantly. And yeah, again, um, Radiohead do a brilliant cover of that, which it sounds even more like it. So it works really well on that kind of level. Um, it's a song I play a lot, like on guitar. The, co- the chord progression of it's really, it's just like, it's kind of strange and it's just a really satisfying thing to do with your, with your hands. Oh, that came out weird. Um, but yeah, it's fun to play. And I've read a couple of interviews with Adrian Lenker talking about what the song's about. And it's kind of what you would expect. I mean, there's lots of metaphors going on, Dave. Uh, but she talks about how it's like about dissolving the otherness. And that can be, you know, she refers to kind of political issues in the US and building kind of border walls and, you know, illegal aliens coming in. Um, but also, hey, how did those political yourself. issues go for them lately? Not that well. Yeah, not so great. Freshly um, uncancelled, though. I mean, I thought their statement was pretty thorough. <laughs> they got, you know, they got around it pretty okay. Uh, nice to see them kind of um, rein it in. But yeah. Um, they were due to play Israel for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, but we're not going to get into all the murkiness of that because why yeah, bother? Yeah, they have a band member that's from there and they kind of came out with a statement, which I think they'd previously released being like, here's why we're doing it. And people were like, nope, that's not a good reason. And then they were just like, on reflection. We yeah, understand I also hasten to add my why bother there was more of a, we're keeping the show light and we don't really want to get into all that. But obviously, of course, yeah, let Palestine, me get back without into question, like just for the, anyone who does things that were for some reason not on that. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, I'll just delve back into the lyrical um, discussion of the, you know, feelings of unknown um, within yourself and how you can be an alien to yourself that she's talking about. And I'm now going to talk at length about that a little further. Oh, she also does say in interviews that uh, it's also very literal. She's like, I thought of it like in a literal sense, like this is extraterrestrials. I've thought about aliens a lot since I was a kid. Apparently she went alien watching a lot. Uh, Kind of, that sounds like a cool upbringing. I don't know. But um, yeah, it just really works for me. And again, it is that thing of just like trying to make contact. 
Oh, yeah, um, there's an otherworldly sound to the song. And really interestingly, instrument, instrumentation-wise, it's kind of just the stuff, like it's it's the, you know, bog-standard instruments they usually play. Like, they didn't, like, reach too much for, like, the synths or whatever. So that's, like, a bit of a marvel that they can transform the stuff that they're already playing and just do something different with it. So, yeah, bravo to them. Bravo to them. And uh, <laughs> bravo to these next guys as well. I'm taking the baton from Craig from last week and bringing in an obvious one, but one that absolutely has to be here. Here's my number two. It's, yes. uh, it's the Beastie Boys. They're back again two weeks in a row. And Intergalactic, a chart hit, a cult favourite. Uh, nothing sounds like the Beastie Boys, does it? They just have no. this kind of incredible, not quite in the room with you, but in a room next door that you want to get into type thing. Just how everything bounces. It all bounces off walls. And in this case, walls that may in fact be ascending into space itself. How much do you love this song? I adore it. I, I just felt I couldn't pick two Beastie songs in a row. I didn't think you like would. A, yeah. I gambled. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of hoping you might take them all. So that's brilliant. It's just so good. That's a really good point about... I remember when this came out. It might have been... Was it the first Beastie song I, I properly knew? It might have been. Because I just remember the video being everywhere. Yeah. Around about the age when I was really getting into music. And that kind of camera work of them all coming at you um, and kind of it felt like you were being surrounded by these manic dudes <laughs> that were just like you know razor sharp wit and just it was very exciting and enveloping and yeah it was a great introduction if it was my introduction I, I think it was um, mine was mine was Sabotage and I remember the video um, <gasps> yeah <laughs> excuse me adored uh, dry mouth give me one second please listener technical difficulties there was a, I, I believe, yeah, I didn't mention this when we were talking about Sabotage last week, but um, MCA rocked up at the MTV Awards the year that was up for Video of the Year. And, oh God, what was this? Some other fucking video won and he like stormed the stage and like we did a recent kind of big award moments. It was actually the first one where that happened and it completely bypassed me. I can't remember what the video was that year. God damn it. But yeah, um, they weren't actually annoyed. They were just being the Beastie Boys. Hilarious. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, I think it was in costume from the video and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, it's awesome. It's timeless. It's great. But I should say, I remember like, God, again, that thing years ago of like finding kind of things just in the rough. I found an amazing remix of this that spliced it with another song and I kept looking for it all week long and I couldn't quite remember the specifics and I was desperate to find it. Maybe I can find it for next week because I didn't find it. But what I did find though, Craig, was a horrific remix of it and uh, we're going to hear a bit bit of that right (laughs) now. So here's Intergalactic mixed with, uh, you'll know pretty quickly, but good Lord. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. I know. <laughs> Awful. Oh. 
<laughs> oh man, Linda Martin, all this forgiven. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Whose idea was that? Just one of the ones I found on YouTube because like I was doing a deep dive trying to find that one that I couldn't quite remember. And I found this and I was like, oh, that sounds like it wouldn't work. But it has all these views and people saying this is awesome. So surely, no, shocking, shocking bad. Whereas the original, Intergalactic, is amazing. And that's my number two. Okay, I've just found out who it was that they were confronting on stage. It was my beloved R.E.M. Oh, wow. <laughs> who won for Everybody Hurts, which is a nice video. It's a bit mawkish. Um, I can see why somebody would storm the stage, particularly a Beastie Boy. Yeah, I think R.E.M. took it well. I'm hoping they did. Anyway, my number one... Um, Oh, sorry. Sorry. This, can I just say? Can I just say recently? Yeah, I, I was ahead. walking. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, I was. No, I, I was walking recently, and I was. Um, I was sending a lengthy voice note to Sarah Corcoran of Pillow Queens fame, and I was just discussing some woes I've been having lately. And as I was rounding a corner discussing my woes, I walked by oh, yeah. a pub that was blaring out "Shiny Happy People" by OREM, and it got picked up in the voice note. <laughs> And Sarah like got back to me, and she was like, first of all, she was like, "Shiny Hat People playing was fucking hilarious." Was, yeah, no, it's ridiculous, pure sitcom day stuff. Anyway, your number one, please, sir. I love that. Um, this is a song that, like, of course, it's a sci-fi song, but I didn't peg it until I did a, a Google this week, and it's one that we still need to hit up Yukio and duet on at some point. Oh, oh, did you? Is it? Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, look, fucking full disclosure time here, listener. Like, before we started this podcast today, I just, Craig Craig and I had a very, like, well, I was going to say, Craig and I had a very emotional chat. Uh, I had a very emotional chat with Craig. I just fucking broke down before we recorded the show today. And the reason I'm saying this is because I feel so much better now just hearing that 30 seconds. Good, fucking man. hell. It's incredible. You got to give the backstory, though. You got to, like, you got to give the full backstory on this. We were, it was a missed opportunity, really. Yeah. Our lives could have been different if we had gone through with it. We were in, what's the name of the bar now? It's long since gone. It's the one under Stevens Green. What was the name of it? Uh, Sinnets. I think it's still oh, there. Sinnets still also, there. Sorry, yeah, what yeah. is the song, Craig? And who is the band? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, the people must know. They must know. It's Iran. It's by A Flock of Seagulls. A sci-fi band, which I never really thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in Sinnets, as we often were. Um, yeah, although you're kind of, of you're kind of skipping ahead here because oh go ahead yeah, yeah why was the song on our radar it was because of that electric picnic weekend where for some reason it became our anthem for no reason did it start with electric picnic we were going into electric picnic and like i think like one just of us belting out we were just kind of it, for some reason it was in the ether but i remember like when we got like when we eventually just lost the run of ourselves and we're like we need to go native here and just you know get fucked up i remember yeah. going back to the bus on the last night and me and you were like arms around each other roaring this song okay. yeah, and Stuart yeah, Clark yeah, yeah. was ahead of us being like don't quit the day job, lads. Pretty much, yeah. He was like, talk with the day job, lads. Or he's like, oh, I see that they've had a good time. And we were just like, yo. And then, yes. So smash cut too. But a week later, we're in, we're in that bar. And yeah, we didn't take Stuart's advice. Um, having a few drinks. The drink, <laughs> the few drinks probably became more drinks. And there was a karaoke thing going on. Impromptu. Impromptu. Yeah, we didn't rock up for it. And 
we decided it would be a great idea if we duetted on Iran, Flock of Seagulls, which is a fucking ridiculously hard song to sing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I mean, we're going to have to do it at some point. I know. We've committed to this. We just but need to practice. what happened was, we were going to do it. We were going to do it. We went up and told the dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was prepped. It was good to go. And... We just bailed. <laughs> no, my bus was coming and I was yeah. like, I have to go. And I think... I gotta go, man. I was leaving. I, I literally ran so far away as I believe <laughs> the guy was like, and up next, Dave and Craig with I ran. And you were like giving him the, the cutthroat signal, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. I left yeah, you. Like I left you in the lurch. swinging. Yeah, it was sorry, fine. <laughs> it's all good. We'll get to it. And yeah, this song is about running away. It's about running away from um, your feelings for a lady. And then that, all of that is kind of overwhelmed by the fact that you're then boat abducted by aliens and try as you might to run away, you can't. It's just utterly preposterous. And yeah, as I say, Flock of Seagulls were bang into the sci-fi. Um, you're talking 80s, big synths. I mean, they've got a song which is a really, really another great song, um, Space Age Love Song, uh, which actually doesn't really include any, you know, heavy lyrical stuff about it. It just sounds like it's pure space age. It's brilliant, along with this one. And would you know the lead singer's name of a flock of Because oh, no. I wouldn't have. I, do, I've I was read just it. Doing some yeah, good. I'm not going to get it. Go on. Yeah, it's Mike Score. <laughs> so you probably, you definitely have heard it before. <laughs> but he is a big, like, sci fi guy. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of these picks, actually, once you delve in a little bit, it's not the kind of um, topic you just go, I'm just going to do a random sci-fi song. Usually the artist ends up being a bit of a, like, they've done the reading. Do you know what I mean? So he was, like, big into Doctor Who, Outer Limits, growing up. Um, he's like, even as a six-year-old, all that stuff just became etched in my brain. I would sit there, uh, scared out of my mind, thinking I was alone when everyone else was watching the same shows. When the band went sci-fi, people got it because they liked it too. And I'm just like, I think it's the name of Flock of Seagulls. Just, just it's not appropriate whatsoever. Um, no. Didn't they have weird hair as well? He did. He had um, a massive fringe that kind of came out, a blonde fringe that came out swooped down over his face and kind of turned <laughs> off somewhere. It's sensational. Yeah, pe- <laughs> people probably know it. Um, from that same interview, he was asked if he still believes in aliens. And he says, when I was a kid, sci-fi was a new thing and people didn't believe in life on other planets. And now it seems totally accepted. It's like it's just part of life. There can't be 10 bazillion stars out there with nothing on them. Man's got a point. Is, is, yeah, logic on his side. Um, but yeah, the whole sci-fi thing passed me by with these guys, but it makes me like them a lot more. I probably am going to have to investigate a Did little bit. Did they have a key tower in the band? Did they, they didn't have a key tar, did they? It wouldn't surprise me if they did. I know Alamaki puts you one step closer. vibes off them. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to have a flying saucer on the cover of their debut album, but I think the record label stopped them doing it for some reason. Um, <laughs> I don't know I why. Feel like, I feel like they're a band that have been a punchline forever, but like, yeah. if you have I this song... I think because of that hairdo, probably. But this song, it's unbelievable. It's so good. I feel like... The 1975 have been trying to write this song for about seven or eight years. and Oh, they just they released haven't... a new song just today. Actually, I listened to it a couple of times before the show. Um, is it is? Well, you know how it's almost, it's always impossible to just be like, here's my verdict on a song yeah, I've heard yeah, twice. Yeah. I will say, uh, not feeling it. Okay. They have an what direction have they gone? Because they usually come out with a song that's a bit like Iran. Do you know what I mean? They go into 1975, 80s it mode. It sounds a bit anthem. like Bonnie Vare meets Paul Simon. Oh, okay. That's a... Yeah. 
<laughs> Go listen to it. I uh, will. It's Directly called Part of the Band, and they have a new album coming, I think, pretty soon. So yeah, it's called it's called being funny in a foreign language. I believe that's the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Matty <laughs> Healy. <laughs> is the love is around? Over? It might be. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but look, listen. Uh, when you talk about your songwriters, yeah. <laughs> here's, <laughs> here's my number one. Um, my number one is was well, straight in with a bullet. It's a sad song, but I think it's a beautiful song as well. And there's a funny punchline coming based on an experience I had today. So here is number nice. one for Dave in the sci-fi song realm. I don't understand It's just my job Five days a week A rocket man A rocket man Yeah, we mentioned him in the news section. He's a fiery character. It's Elton John and Rocketman, brackets. I think it's going to be a long, long time, close brackets. Uh, an obvious choice, sure, but I don't care. It's so good. It's incredible. Uh, this is a perfect song. This is a five-star song. It's a 10 out of 10 song. It's flawless. Um, I think it actually took me, of all things, when I was watching Nip Tuck years ago and they used this during a sad I scene. I used to watch it as well I mean. Yeah. Uh, they used it during a sad scene and I was like wow and I had heard it before but I'd never really heard it before uh, and I must give the credit where it's due Ryan Murphy's ridiculous uh, plastic surgery drama <laughs> was kind of what made me like hang on that's amazing and of course you know again grew up in house where Elton John we played regularly he's got an unbelievable array of hits I think he's got some unbelievable songs but this is my number one of his I think I love I want love as well and lots more of that but this is just unbelievable and I mean like I just think it's so beautiful it is melancholic as fuck of course but I think there's hope in it as well and the idea of being lost in the stars I, I find it hard to listen to without actually picturing that picturing myself as the rocket man and like I picked that section as well because I think that the lyric of and all the science I just don't understand it or like all the science I don't understand it's just my job five days a week yeah that line has always, always stopped me in my tracks. I, there's a lifetime in that song. And there's something about, wait, you're in this in, incredibly fantastical situation, but you don't have a full appreciation for it. Or you're you're saying that you're just some kind of grunt. And then I'm like, oh, but hang on. That's the whole point of it, right? Is that like, it's a better human being and the, the trials yeah. and tribulations thereof and how hard it is to even be a working class person with a family, even when you're in this ridiculous space situation that none of us are in and probably never will be in unless we work for Elon Musk. But ultimately, I just found that so poignant and touching and real and human in this magical setting that you could, is so much bigger than you, but like you, you still it still boils down to just like, this is my day today. I'm like, what? And I've always found that to just be so disarming and so beautiful. Um, yeah. And it, the song is full of those moments and the actual, you know, just the, the melody, the music, the chorus, come on. It's incredible. And if I stop and listen to it, I have to stop and listen to it. And it's a genuine, genuinely transportative experience. It's one of the best songs ever written. <laughs> it's amazing. It's just fucking perfect. But yeah, so today, right, I went to um, I went to the doctor. Guess what he told me? Guess what he told me? And basically, I am um, forty five fucking minute wait to see him. Saw him 
didn't go amazingly well. Not that sounds sinister, nothing sinister, just, you know, I'm having a bad time mentally um, on, on top of everything else. And, you know, mm. it was a sobering conversation. Um, but the point is, uh, upon leaving, uh, and I had to go back to work, I did this on my fucking lunch hour, I went to go get a prescription uh, <laughs> in the next door pharmacy and I walked in and I swear to God, man, what was playing this, I'm not making this up, it was genuinely playing and there was literally two rows of three people so there was six people in a row in front of me and like a backup and I was like well this will take an error that I don't have and as I walked and said fuck it I'll do this tomorrow what was playing and I think it's gonna be a long long I was like of course of course I was like this is just ridiculous but I couldn't even enjoy the poignancy of that even though I think somewhere somehow some kind of cosmic god was in fact having a bit of a chuckle at my situation but yeah I was like Jesus that's weird that's Uh, the aliens mate they're manipulating stuff I'm telling you they're out there they want to make contact are you going full <laughs> so do I are you going full Matt Letizia on me now are you <laughs> is he banging into the aliens I don't know I he's banging he into like anti yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, yeah, let's not get into it. Let's not get into it. Let's not end yet another podcast d- dissecting Matt Letizia. Yeah, I mean, vivisecting Matt Letizia would be... Maybe. Hey, aliens. There's an idea. <laughs> hey, aliens. <laughs> it's, right. your, it's me, um, boy. Someone who, of course, is made of, you know, the stars themselves. They run yes. through his, his, his system. Well, we all are in a way, Dave, you know. <laughs> That's what Moby said. Um, Adam Shanahan, Sonic Architect, Adam to the stars, uh, is not here right now, but he is making this episode sound beautiful much love to him uh, much love yes. to you listener as well of course and much love to you Craig oh I should say fucking yeah love I mean, like, didn't realise that uh, it was Craig's birthday last Friday when the episode was going out because I no longer know what day it is or what who's doing what and as Craig himself will point out Craig keeps a Facebook page so that he knows when people's birthdays are. I open Facebook maybe (laughs) once a week and it gives you that little list of things. And it just means I'm actually probably insufferable in WhatsApp chats because I'm the, like in group ones, I'll always do the prompt of like, unhappy birthday. And then probably everyone else is like, oh, for fuck's sake, I forgot about that. Yeah, you did it with Dahi recently and I was like, oh, fuck, I I should know these. Maybe I need to stop doing that. No, 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 no. (laughs) Um, It's it's good that you do, but like you you didn't do it with your own birthday because again, why would you? Yeah, I don't hate birthdays, so that was fine by me. second worst day of the year but i mean ultimately yeah so happy birthday it's happened thank you very much yeah uh, and it wasn't wasn't bad at all and i share yeah. it with a lot of um oh, luminous yeah? people yeah um you got um lady die <laughs> <laughs> ruth van Nistelrooy. wow um who else um sofian wow and who else pamela anderson um what a Debbie dinner Harry, party. Debbie what a, Harry. What a dinner party yeah. this would be. Yeah, yeah. I've got <laughs> I'm a few. I'm just going to stop reeling off. I've, I've got, like, got? I've got Brock Lesnar. Mine's coming Brock up. Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I'm days away from mine. Um, Brock Lesnar, and I forget who else. Uh, I'll just do a quick <laughs> Google. Do, Famous yeah, people. yeah. You can't stop with Brock But I'm also, Lesnar. and I've said this before. What if it's like, Matt Letizia? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it isn't. Uh, what if it's Elton John? I, I've said before as well, Like it is like my birthday is the 12th of July, which of course is Orange Day, and my middle name is William not ah. related I just want to point out that that is a, a an unhappy coincidence um, so hang on famous people famous birthdays July 12th let's see I know Brock Lesnar is one of them there's definitely a few people um, James Rodriguez Michelle Rodriguez ah. oh god Bill Cosby that's not good oh no keep uh, going Byung Hung Lee the great Korean actor he's in there uh, Charlie nice. Murphy uh, oh, Charlie Murphy. Richard Love Simmons. 
Antonio oh, Cesaro, ex-footballer. Uh, Sami Zayn, the professional wrestler. He's kind of cool. Um, this is yeah. an interesting dinner party. <laughs> I think yours is better, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I, I thought I, I had down. more. I thought I had like a few real big hitters, but I'm not quite seeing it now. Um, yeah, it could be worse, I suppose. There's maybe Hold someone. on, I'm going to have a Google. Let's have a look. No, I'm looking now and it's, it's pretty much Do you anyone. people are still listening? You've got, <laughs> no, not a chance. You've got Topher Grace. Oh, he's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Topher's good. Topher um, Grace is good. I'll, I'll take that. Um, Rachel Brosnahan. <laughs> Who's Rachel Luke Brosnahan? Luke Shaw? Not, not. Luke <laughs> <laughs> Shaw. Luke Shaw, apparently. All right. Um, yeah, it, it could be better. It could be better. But like, Henry you know, Turow. It's pretty good. Uh, all right. Who's that? Anna Friel. Anna Friel. Soap legend. Christine um, McVeigh. Right. I think it's time to end the show. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think this is good audio. Um, I'll get one more. But yeah, you're not going to get one more. I, I've ex- you, if it was if there was like a fucking a Timothy Oliphant or a Mads Mikkelsen in there, it would have been top of the list. So it's not going to happen. But, um, yeah. Topher's yeah. pretty good. Let's go out on Topher. Let's Topher Grace, Sami Zayn, and uh, who else Christine did we? McVeigh. Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's it, guys. <laughs> that's it. That's the show. Uh, my name is Dave Hanready. His name is Craig Fitzpatrick. This has been... I can't even speak. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Uh, please tell a friend about the show. Pass on the good words and patreon.com slash no encore if you want to help support us financially. You don't have to, but if you want to, it would be cool. All right, we're done. Bye. See you next week when Craig will report back from the strokes at Glasgow and how oh, perfect it went. Crossed. No problems. It'll all be good. All right, until then, see ya. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.